sound from the two new shows that aired on the channel. We'll replay the shows in full, but I picked out a couple of highlights. Certainly worth singling out from both what Michael Kelly and Brian Gregory had to say on their new programs. Bull Speed Ahead with Michael Kelly. We went over the big topics to end the year. And if you want to hear the whole thing, we've got many replays of it for you. In fact, probably more than originally scheduled because not as much basketball this weekend on the channel as we had originally planned. Also decided to do an exercise that we'll go over in the second segment along with playing some of the Brian Gregory comments. What he was saying about uh, some of the members of the team last year along with what I've been doing, which is making sure to listen back and do some edits if I needed to to some of last season's men's basketball games. We're doing the best of 2021. Definitely wanted to replay some of those games. And hearing some of the names that are no longer with the team, I decided, okay, I'm not going to spend too much of my time looking up players on other teams. But in this case, I was curious how the many departed Bulls from last year's roster are doing. And if you want to think about it now, and I'll put you to the test without looking it up, who do you think is averaging more than 15 points a game to lead all former Bulls for their new teams? I'm guessing you won't know the answer to that one. We'll give it to you in our second segment, along with, yes, Brian Gregory speaking. And and honestly, the way it's going right now, I'm going to have some of the other comments that he made, not about tomorrow's opponent, East Carolina, because I just have a feeling that game is not going to get played. Unfortunately, I'm a generally optimistic person that's not feeling so optimistic about that one going off. We found out that the women's basketball game would not be played early in the day on Thursday before we get there. Got to mention this, and this is going to be a big story, just as the replacing of defensive coordinator Glenn Spencer with Bob Shoup was now. It appears that the Bulls will have to do the same on the offensive side. Nothing from the school as we're taping this yet officially, and generally if you don't know how these things work. When a school has a coach leave for another team, it's not like they rush to put out the information. They rush to put out a press release. They will when they've added coaches, but not necessarily when they've lost coaches. And Ole Miss has not put out anything, but there are multiple reports, and it was first reported Wednesday by Matt Zenitz of the publication On3, and then Yahoo Sports' Pete Thamel confirmed it that Charlie Weiss Jr. will be headed to Ole Miss. It makes all the sense in the world, of course, because... He worked with Lane Kiffin for two years at FAU, and of course Ole Miss needs a new offensive coordinator, Jeff Lebby, who is going back to his alma mater, Oklahoma. Lebby will be coaching for Ole Miss on Saturday against Baylor in their bowl game before he heads back to OU. And Ole Miss was fourth in the country in offense this year, so Charlie Weiss has some shoes to fill. You know, the Bulls were just around 100 nationally in offense, but you know that that doesn't really tell the whole story. Cade Fortin really struggled in those first two games. You had the game against Tulane, which is going to bring your offensive stats down. But we love Charlie, and, of course, he has a great offensive mind. He is going to be the youngest coordinator in the SEC. And, of course, that becomes a big deal for Jeff Scott to decide who is going to be the next OC. Obviously, we'll follow that story for you. And if you were listening to our broadcast on Wednesday night, it kind of had that specter hanging on our heads the whole time of, Yes, we're talking about future games on the schedule, but we're not really liking the chances of the schedule playing out. Well, that has already proven out to be the case. Before we get to the decision and what's maybe looking at the Bulls in their immediate future, namely they're not going to play their next game, let's listen back to some of the highlights of Wednesday. And really, if you look at that one, it was great that they got to play it because Jacksonville University had to have a pause of 16 days on its own accord and brought in a 7-3 and record. 
and the Bulls had three players unavailable due to COVID protocols. Now, granted, the three players are among the fewest as far as minutes played on the bench. The one who they really missed most on Wednesday was Christina Bermejo because she is a post player and, of course, a really good defender as well. So they were thin with Bermejo out, another option at power forward, Patience Williams out, and Mihaila Lazic, who essentially is the fifth guard, so that wasn't as big of a deal. But the post play was really thin because you had, of course, starters Dulce Fankamangiadu and Betty Menunga. Then Shea Leverett and Sidney Harvey were both available, but only if needed. Well, frankly, when you only have two post players, you're probably going to need Shea Leverett. She ended up coming into this game. She played essentially just 10 minutes and did not attempt a shot. Sidney Harvey tried to play a little in the third quarter and did not score a point. Fortunately, the Bulls had plenty from the players who did play. It got off to a great start in the first quarter. Let me tell you, JU, we kind of told you on the show Wednesday, previewing the game that their 7-3 and record was really 3-3 and because of four wins against non-Division I teams. But they still do have some nice new players that they brought in from other schools. A big deal was Asia Jones, who transferred from Virginia Tech and was tremendous, hit six quick points, and it was starting to look like she could have a day. Then she picked up her second foul. Then the Bulls started to roll a little bit in the first quarter, even though the Dolphins punched back. Here are your first quarter highlights. And we'll talk more about sort of the bench behind who's out there. Right now, wide open for a three is Atlanta Chinecki. She got the fist pump from Jose Fernandez before that ball hit rim. He knew it was good, and it's 5 nothing Bulls. Very interesting. Jacksonville packing it in against Dulce, right? They're very closing in the lane on that defense. They're letting the shooters be open. Pinzon was open, actually, three-point line. First time down. Now Chinecki finds herself wide open. Hawks the point guard over to Dunlap. Not a good three-point shooting team. That one hit backboard first and rimmed out. They are a great two-point shooting team, but again, that's against weaker opponents. When they have to shoot threes, the, Dol uh, the Dolphins are in trouble. Dulce got the rebound. Chinecki gets a drive, and what a quick start for the Bulls. It's 7-0, less than 90 seconds in. They want to go into Dulce, and that's a power move right there. Much better over Asia Jones. Dulce drops it in to make it 9-4. Coach Fernandez gave her a, I told you so. Nearly a five-minute drop on the scoreboard after oh, the Bulls really? jumped ahead. Huh. 9-2. And again, the player that's got all the points to this point is not on the lineup, but... A player to score three on a shot, Shania Jackson. 3.09 to go in the first quarter. It's 11-9. We told you they're not a three-point shooting team. She is 5 of 11, so she's the one okay. that's been so shooting a pretty high. good percentage. So they left her open, and that is a no-no. Bulls lead trend to two. Again, it was as much as seven. Maria Alvarez has been on fire lately and continues that roll here at the Yingling Center. Knocks it down, 14-9. Jacksonville ball underneath the basket with 10 seconds to go. A dangerous position here for the Bulls. Underneath Jacksonville's basket, Dulce's got to get in front of Shania Jackson. Jackson hands it right back off the Hawks. The Bulls play. And she makes it 20 to 17. Five seconds left. Four for Pinzon. Wants to get across midcourt. Bounces it to Shinecki. That's a decent look at the hole. And it's good. Wow, what an answer for the Bulls. Elena Chinecki has 10 points. And that was calmly done by Pinzon and Chinecki. Right after the Dolphins had cut the lead to three points from nine, it ends up being 23 to 17, and we see Shea Leverett is going to check in. So if needed, I guess they feel they need her. Thank goodness for the three-point shot. It really was the difference in this ballgame because the final numbers 
showed the Bulls just shooting 40%, JU 44%, but the Dolphins only made two from three-point land, while the Bulls sunk nine of them. It was threes early in the second quarter, and then after another run that had it feeling like it was going to be a relatively close game at halftime by the Dolphins, the Bulls put on a 12-2 run. We won't play any of the second-half highlights because this is really where the game was won. The second half, basically, the teams kind of held serve. I included the first highlight here as a JU bucket because you can hear, and this is the benefit of being down on the court, we get to hear the commentary from the coaching staff. When there was only one assistant coach, it was Jose Fernandez and Danny Hughes' voice a lot. Jose didn't like the defense, or lack thereof, of the Bulls, but they got it going, especially on the fast break to close strong. They do get Deshari Graham back, but she is not as dangerous inside. She has the ball outside right now. Wants to drive on Betty Menunga, and she didn't get the help that she thought she was, and Graham, as I'm talking about it, banks it in, and it's back to a four-point game, 23-19. to So it's Wilson running the point with Elena Chinecki, Maria Alvarez, a nice drive, and Ashari Graham, well, she averaged 12 points a year last year, and she's got four quick ones, and it's a two-point game. Derek, the, the shot chart on this game for Jacksonville on offense is going to be mostly in the paint, if I had to guess. The defense in the paint for the Bulls is really subpar right now and not what Coach Hernandez expects from this team. They're driving right by the Bulls in this quarter, at least so far. Maria pops open for a three. Good. Boy, Maria Alvarez is on some kind of run after an 0 for 16 from threes. She is multiple buckets from distance in the last two games and it's back to a five point lead. Bulls are four of five on threes in this game and that's why they're ahead right now. Over to Ariel Wilson for an open three. Good, boy, that's great to see. Ariel Wilson for Maria Alvarez. And again, the three point shot for the Bulls has them ahead, it's 29-23. And that puts Jacksonville in a tough situation, right? Janecki's out there, can hit a three, Alvarez, and now Wilson, so they're gonna have to pull out of that middle a little bit and come out and guard the shooters. Over to Maria, now Chinecki for three. The Bulls have been on fire, and yet another one. I think Coach Haney is not happy with his defense on the weak side. It is 32 to 23. Chinecki, three of three on threes. The Bulls are six of eight as a team. So it's a three-point game. J.U. only has one made three this game, but they are another from tying it up, and Michaela Edwards loves to jack it up. She's got the height advantage on Alvarez. She's going to put it up over her, and it's no good. 3.45 to go. Let's see if the Bulls, with this rare chance to run, can get something going. Pins on to Chinecki. Wide open Maria. You know it's got to go up, but it's short. Dulce sees that and gets the board. Out to Chinecki. Passes up on the open three. Another try for Maria. No, she dishes it off to Betty. Good looking jumper, but no good. Dulcie's got to finish that one, and she does. A fourth opportunity for the Bulls on that possession. And they end the run by J.U. and make it 34 to 29. There's a open three for Graham. Oh. Clank off the front iron, and the Bulls want to run. Yeah, he, Jose says, go L, talking about Chinecki. Oh, that's a good fill by Manunga and a layup. Great pass by Chinecki. And it's 36 to 29. A really good look by Chinecki. Kind of a no look, three quarters court pass, and good running by Betty Benunga. And more importantly, she finished it. Less than two minutes to go. First half, Bulls still lead 36 31. Feels about that range. It does, you'd, doesn't it? You'd hate for it to be less than that. Maybe a nice three at some point here, or a two, as we just got Maria to Betty and lays it up and in. The looks have been good at times for the Bulls, and now they're back up seven. The Hawks, the point guard, back into the lineup. Chinecki again getting the help from Dulcie. Five on the shot clock. Hawks wants to drive. Dulcie doesn't let her. Puts up a long shot. That's great defense. Boy, Dulcie Fink and Mengiato has been picking some players up. Now they want to pick up the pace, and there's and one. Elena Chinecki from Elisa Pinzon. What a 
fast break for the Bulls. They lead it 40 to 31. What a great pass, right? Not a lot of dribbling. Chinecki filling the left lane, but really interesting there. Chinecki scored in the and one and showed a lot of emotion. And she's not somebody who, who's out there a lot of times showing a ton of emotion, but I think she was very excited to get that in, get that call. She definitely did it in Fort Worth last year against UCF. Trust me on that. But yeah, <laughs> it, 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 she picks her spots, and I think she's been challenged a little in this game. And when you're feeling more confident, yes. that stuff's going to come out as well. And when you're now on 16 points in and a three-point play in the first <laughs> half, same thing, 41-31. So what a run by the Bulls they have made four shots in a row. Ox misses, gets her own rebound, rims out. Dulcie Fankamangiato grabs the board, and they want to run with it. 33 seconds left, Pinzon whips it over to Maria Alvarez, going up, good. Pinzon with the vision there, four assists. Maria Alvarez, three for six, nine points, and the ball's up 44-31. Pins on with the vision and gets a point from Coach Fernandez as she didn't even have to run past half court because she threw that to Maria Alvarez, and Maria scored it, and, and uh, Coach Fernandez gave her the little good job. The offense definitely did a good job. You'll hear Jose Fernandez speak about that starting off our second segment. Defensively, it got a little bit better. I'd like to single out Dulce Fankamengiadu because on some of those straight line drives, they decided to bring a post, and really with only Dulcie and Shea Leverett, who again was hobbled, it was up to Fankamengiadu to do a lot of these step outs, and she did a great job of slowing JU down. As I mentioned, the Bulls ended up shooting 40%. Well, at the last basket you heard, they were right on 15 for 30, which of course is 50%, but they were just 9 for their last 30. Second half was just about sort of, as I say, holding serve, and the Bulls get the 70 to 57 win. Elena Chinecki, you heard her go off there in the first half, ended up with 22 points. Betty Menunga had a strong second half in particular. 21 points and 12 rebounds was her final tally in that second half, 11 and 8 in 17 minutes. So she really had to play lots of minutes in this game. And it's funny how it ended with two fast breaks as the Bulls forced a couple of turnovers. And Elisa Pinzon picked up her only four points of the game. She'll have those moments where she's really not looking to score. And I thought she was going to be held off the board until scoring twice in the final minute. Maria Alvarez, 12 points, four for nine on threes. Again, her spark off the bench has returned. And how about free throws and rebounds? Rebounds, 40-26 to 26 favor of the Bulls on the offensive glass, 16-6. to 6. And they did not miss a free throw. 13 for 13, Manunga was 8 for 8. That is basically second best in school history as far as going 100% with at least 10 attempts in a game. Jacksonville falls to 7-4. The Bulls are 10-4. And, and I got to tell you, there's no way JU is going to finish in last place in the A-Sun, which is where they were predicted to finish. But I also got to tell you, the Bulls beating Jacksonville actually dropped them in the net ranking, and this is something we've kind of alluded to with the American Athletic Conference not providing too many chances to up your computer ranking. In fact, UCF is ahead of the Bulls now after that last game dropped the Bulls from 32 to 37. Now, they're not going to keep dropping if they keep winning, but their chances to get back into the top 20, as far as the computer rankings go at least, just aren't there anymore. So that's going to be the interesting thing when it comes to selection time. And oh, by the way, if you missed this, the NCAA announced that it is not looking at having a bubble for the NCAA tournament like we did last year. So that's at least a positive sign with all these cancellations. But again, there will be no game against Memphis. And we have a new beginning to this portion of the show. As you could kind of tell, I was hinting at it at the beginning. No men's basketball game tomorrow due to 
East Carolina COVID-19 protocols. No basketball this weekend. In announcing this news, USF has said that a makeup date will be announced, so they're pretty confident they'll get that game played, just not tomorrow at the Yingling Center. Here's a little of Jose Fernandez with yours truly and Bridget Miranda after the game. Got to say what happened before the game also, if you go to the USF Women's Basketball Twitter page, they actually put the video up after the fact, but it was a congratulatory video for Jose getting his 400th win. Really cool to see Gino Ariema say, yeah, based on what you did against us this year, if we were still in the same league together, you'd probably pick up a couple more wins against us this year. Of course, UConn has been quote-unquote struggling without Paige Beckers. And again, last night, the number one team in the country lost, South Carolina to Missouri. The SEC, as we found out, is pretty stacked with a team like Ole Miss beating the Bulls. And oh yeah, I bring up Ole Miss on purpose because the team that recently went up against the Bulls has had to put itself on pause the last two games for Ole Miss. And you almost read the tea leaves because, remember, VCU played the Bulls not too long ago, and then their next game lost at Stetson, but they didn't have two of their starters, including their leading scorer. So you knew something was up with them, and then they went on pause and haven't played since. Now the Bulls not able to play against Memphis on Sunday. We've talked about this on the conference show and on our actual broadcast if you want to listen to the replay of the JU game. Myself and Bridget discussed how the conference basically, instead of rescheduling games itself, is leaving it up to the schools. And that's where it's going to be interesting. In fact, Brian Gregory touches on that. You'll hear those comments here in a couple minutes. But first, what Jose Fernandez had to say about how the team endured against JU. You know, we did some really good things. Uh, we're limited just on, uh, you know, Sydney Harvey. Got her a little bit of, of uh, playing time in the third quarter, you know, and, and what Shea's going through. So I was pleased how we shot the ball in that first half. We just we just didn't defend off the off the bounce whatsoever today. We didn't contain the dribble. They did a good job driving it at us. You know, we got to get a lot better at that. We did everything else. We did a great job on the glass. They were single-digit offensive rebounds. Rebounding edge was big. But, you know, they shot a big number because they shot all layups. <laughs> One thing I didn't get a chance to talk to you in West Palm about was Marie. I thought that was big last week to get her back going. Uh, what did she work on? Because she was having a tough time, but now she's got it back going. That's a big part of your offense. Yeah, and, and that's what she does. She comes off the bench and knocks down shots. I'm glad, glad uh, she was going to get out of it at one point or another. But um, we got to get some of those other guys some more experience with time. You know, they didn't, they didn't get an opportunity with those first ten games that we played just because of the difference of level of competition. But we, we had three guys out today. So hopefully, hopefully, and two coaches and a support staff member. So we'll go back and test tomorrow, and, and hopefully we can, we can survive this run through April. For those who didn't hear today, while we were playing two other games in the conference this weekend with Cincinnati, a future Bulls opponent, and ECU, have been canceled, so we're just glad and hopeful to get this one in. If we do play this weekend against Memphis, what do you think, Coach? Uh, the most important thing is, you know, as a student athletes. Mm -hmm. Remember when we got back on the 21st, you know, we had another Christmas break, and we went out and tested every day at our house, you know, and we did that as soon as everybody got back. Uh, on the 26th, we've tested our young ladies the last three days. Two of the young ladies that tested positive had the vaccine. Mm. <laughs> And one was asymptomatic, so I'm glad that we were able to to continue to test and, and catch it now so it doesn't affect us 
later in the season, but you're seeing this all over the country. And about 16 hours later, we saw it with the Bulls again. Their next opponent on the schedule is supposed to be Cincinnati in Cincy this Wednesday. However, the Bearcats, most recent game, and this broke during our broadcast, had to be postponed. If you go on Cincinnati's website, it actually says their next scheduled game is against USF, so they're planning on it, but who knows. It's going to lead to some interesting scenarios because the league basically said it's up to the schools to reschedule the games. Here's the thing, in my opinion, and I think Brian Gregory's getting at it here when asked by Jim Lighthall about it on his show. What's the motivation for a team that thinks it's going to lose the game to schedule a game? It can only hurt your conference record. It can only hurt your conference seating. Then again, part of what the American put out is that you have to play at least 75% of the average number of conference games played or basically your seating is going to be lower. You're going to be beneath the teams that have played the right amount of games. My point is, I don't know if Memphis is going to be trying very hard to play the Bulls, who could be losing more games on their schedule as a result. And with his team, of course, being on the wrong end, and if you want to listen to the full Brian Gregory replay, I would say do it, because that first segment where he right off the bat gets really honest about some things that have been going on with the team, you know, they should have played a later game in Hawaii. They shouldn't have had to play Christmas morning at 8.30 because the game scheduled after theirs had been canceled. It didn't seem like he was too thrilled with Mississippi Valley State dropping out. Point is, BG laid it out. Because now they've changed it, if you could not play a game, it was a forfeit. They've changed that now. Now it's a postponement with the possibility of the schools trying to get together to reschedule it. Well, unless you're going to play three, four games in a week, it's going to be difficult to do that. But without the deterrent of counting it as a loss in a forfeit, you know, coaches, there's going to be some gamesmanship on that. And in the big picture, I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Because the gamesmanship is still the safety and, and health of the players. Let's just continue to put that first. And whatever happens, happens from there. And and, and if we do that, then we'll be okay. I don't know if this is what BG references, but here's some possible gamesmanship. A team says, okay, the best chance for it to work out for both of our schedules, you're coming here to play us on this future date. Why don't we just play back-to-back in our place? You know what I mean? So we'll see. I said I went ahead and looked up how the former Bulls from last season's team are doing elsewhere. It was pretty interesting because I went right to Alexis Yetna. Seton Hall's doing well. Sure enough, he's averaging 9.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, starting every game, 25 minutes per. David Collins, third leading scorer on Clemson, more than 11.7 rebounds. Most free throws attempted on the team, 30 minutes a game. Not doing as well, Michael Durer for Indiana, eight minutes per game off the bench, 25 points total and 15 rebounds. Surprised that Justin Brown is ninth in minutes played on UAB, averaging just four points, shooting mostly threes, 13 for 34. Xavier Castaneda doing well for Akron. He's third on their team in scoring, second in assist, nearly 11 points per game, and 22 of 52 on threes. But I said you'd be surprised at who is scoring the most points per game as far as former Bulls from last year's team. Try Madut a catch. Detroit Mercy, 15.8 points per game, second on the team. He scored in double figures every game but one when he had nine. Prince Odoro is actually on that team as well, but he's just averaging five points a game. Rashun Williams, second on the Radford Highlanders, nine points per game. But yeah, Madonna a catch. I was surprised to see that. We'll wrap up with Michael Kelly talking about not being sure about future dates. On the year-end version of Bull Speed Ahead, we talked about a lot of different things. You can listen to the full show, get replayed. Follow us on Twitter for the schedule of replays at Bulls Unlimited. But how about a 
possible future date for an opening of an on-campus football stadium. In my own mind, I've got uh, I've got the 27 uh, opener against Miami is something that I'm personally shooting for because we've got that game on the schedule, and I think that would be an awesome date on September 4, 2027. So if we can beat it the year before, great. If not, uh, we'll, we'll do the best we can. But that's kind of what I'm kind of driving my own internal mind to as a, as a North Star. Nice little bit of information there also, as we were talking about the addition of women's lacrosse. Basically, I would tell you in less than six weeks, we're going to have the announcement of a new women's sport. How about that? Stay safe this weekend, Bulls fans. I'm Derek Sharp. We'll talk to you in the new year.